0: We're back to the Neil Haley Show, also uh, the Love Is Podcast. I'm excited to welcome my co-host, Kim Sorrell, author of Love Is and podcast host of Love Is. Kim, how are you? And I know you're excited about our guest.
1: Hi, Neil. I am doing great. And yes, I'm very excited about our guest, Nick Shakur. I hope I said that right, Nick. You Perfect. are a quite a guy, so uh, the story goes, as I know it, that in fourth grade, your gym teacher saw this incredible talent in you, and pretty soon there was a, a school assembly where you were showcasing your incredible talent. You're a funny, funny man, and you've done so many things. I've got a grandson who loves you in the video games that you do, and oh, um, cool. probably some sons who do too, actually, and uh, and not to mention. Care Bears and all the other wonderful things you've done, and now the Chosen Nick. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Uh, wow, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that, that's yeah, it.
1: no problem. So uh, interesting uh, story. Your background. I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit. What a fourth grader is doing, imitating the teachers. I think is that how it goes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it was during PE class uh, with our PE teacher. His name is Rudy Benton. Awesome dude. He was more than a PE teacher. He was like everybody's favorite father or uncle. And um, and the really unique thing about him was he saw you. He actually saw you individually and not just as a whole, as a classroom. And what started off as him challenging each student to get up and make the rest of the class laugh, uh, to show us how our diaphragms worked. I mean, this is how dedicated this guy was to health and fitness. He didn't want us to just do exercise. He wanted to teach us about how the body functioned. And uh, so each student gets up and does something else. And you know was the quiet, you know, timid immigrant kid up until that point. And I, I raised my hand because as a kid, uh, I would always imitate uncles, aunts, you know, people in my family, my mom would put me in the middle of the living room and tell me, oh, now do this person, now do that person. I would just snap into their voice and become them. And uh, so I got up on stage and everybody was giving me kind of side stares like, this guy doesn't even talk. What is he going to do to make us laugh? Next thing I know, the whole class is cracking up. And I look to my left and Mr. Benton is in fetal position on the ground and his face is beat red. And he's just <laughs> holding himself, holding his stomach because he's just in pain and laughing at the same time. So he comes up to me, the whole class gets taken up with this crazy improv that I decided to do of all the teachers in the school. And uh, he puts his hand on my shoulder and he's trying to catch his breath. And he was like, kid, you're hilarious. Can you do this for all my classes? And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. He goes and asks the school principal, Mr. Heron at the time, and Mr. Heron said, absolutely not that is against the law <laughs> and uh, so instead as a compromise he convinces him to hold a special assembly two hours from that point or three hours where i'd be on stage doing this for the entire school and doing it for the teachers that i was parodying <laughs> and uh, so i'm on stage as a, was eight i was eight years old or nine years old And mr benton is to stage left i think they call it with the you know with the ropes in and 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 i looked at him i was like mr benton i don't think i could because i look out the curtains i'm like what am i doing here and he said no you're gonna be great you're gonna be funny he just pulls the curtain and i let it rip and next thing i know all the teachers were great sports and i didn't get in trouble (laughs) the entire school was laughing wow (laughs) Yeah. And it, I, I had such a rush that I, I'd never felt anything like that in my life. Like there was a river flowing through me effortlessly. And and uh, and, and, and although I didn't really get into acting until my 30s as a serious kind of pursuit, uh, Mr. Benton saw that thing in me that nobody else saw outside of my own fame.
0: You know, it's <sighs> interesting when you say that. So you didn't get an act in your 30s. How did that happen? Like what were you doing before that?
2: Well, I did. I've done so many jobs. I've served tables. I've been a bar back. I did junk removal service, forgot junk. <laughs> um, I did get my college degree, of course, I did it in cinema. I studied. I wanted to direct music videos and do voiceovers on the side. That was kind of in my mind. And voiceover and interest partook in that when my buddies in college started having me prank call businesses <laughs> when they found out I could do voices. Um, but it really took um, it really took uh, a breakup that went haywire and the economy crashing in late 2008-9. Um, and my finances dwindling. It took for me to lose everything to move back in with my parents. And um, my mom would just walk by my bed in the room, not by my bed, by my room, and just see me laying in bed every day looking up at the ceiling, wondering what happened to my life. <laughs> And uh, and one day she stopped and very, very gently and very, very low tone. She said, well, now that you've lost everything, why don't you do what you've always been good at as a kid, which is acting? And then a little like fire, like a little match was lit in me. And I, I sat there and she just kind of walked away and I still laid there. And I thought, hmm, yeah, I don't have anything left. I barely have any money left in my bank. I don't have a girlfriend anymore. I don't have any obligations. Okay. Yeah. So next thing I know within the next couple months, I got myself a part-time job at a retail store in the hometown of my parents. I said, okay, I'm going to buy a computer and then I'm going to edit my own voice demo and I'm going to send it to all the agents in in the Bay area in San Francisco. And yeah, I am going to do it. I'm going to be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) And next thing I knew, six months down the line, I was with an agency and I was booking voiceover roles and commercials every month. And I thought, wow. So eventually three years later, moved to LA, got an animation voice agent. A year after that, an on-camera agent, everything just, one thing led to another. But the biggest lesson that was, it took all of these things that I saw as catastrophes at the time to realign me with what I believe God wanted me to do,
1: mm-hmm. because
2: it came so easy. The voiceovers were like second nature to me. The, the acting was like second nature. And I thought, wow, okay, like, let's let's do this. And yeah, you have your slow periods and you have periods where you're questioning yourself. But um, it was like, you know, God was guiding me the entire time and allowing things to happen that didn't feel comfortable in a healthy increment um, to lead me to where I am today.
1: You know, that's so interesting. I heard an interview where you talked about coincidences, that all these coincidences were happening when you got the role of Zebedee and then you're in the airport and the two guys you run into are going to be your two sons, James and John, and and to talk to them. And then other things happened and, and that these coincidences started happening which i uh, you know looking back maybe weren't so coincidental along no. with all these other coincidences that happen throughout life right like how do you look at that
2: it's it's definitely uh, it's, it's definitely not a coincidence when i was looking at them as coincidence at the time before even booking the role uh, in the chosen um i i had a talk with god and i said you know you probably don't even exist (laughs) imagine talking to somebody and then telling them they don't exist um and so all of these were him guiding me but it was kind of like in hindsight i probably was a very stubborn child of his fighting all of these paths that he's trying to put me on where he's like just stay still for a second man like so i can Make this easier for you. And I'm just fighting everything along the way. Um, everything. I mean, one, one crazy thing that happened while we were shooting season one. I, I arrive and we're shooting for four days. I get a call from my brother-in-law the night before we were going to shoot the scene where Zebedee sends James and John off to follow Jesus. My brother-in-law says, your dad's had a heart attack. We're in the hospital right now. My whole world was just thrown off. And I said, what? He said, yeah. And I said, wait a second. There were never signs of what? So I was looking up red-eye flights. This is at 11 p.m. I get to my hotel room. My mom's telling me, stay, don't ruin your career. I'm like, mom, forget my career. What is going on? He's going to be in surgery tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. By the time you get here, he's already going to be in surgery. What are you going to do if you show up? I'm like, no, mom, I got to hang up. I got to look for flights. So I'm looking for flights. And those voices that came back that were telling me not to do the chosen <laughs> when i first booked the role they came back like i don't know how many it were like yeah you're such a terrible son if you don't leave see what happened you came here you should have turned it down and been firm about that blah, blah 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 and the voices got so intense that i just had to stop for a second put down my phone and just have a one-on-one with god and i said god And I felt I know we weren't on the best of terms or I wasn't on the best of terms with you and I've been here for four days and this actually being on the set and feeling this good feeling that I called at the time something feels right here and I want you to tell me what do you want me to do should I stay or should I go and then a deep voice came like it was coming from the bottom of this well and I just heard stay I said what stay it's like stay are you sure and then i hear if you leave you're going to ruin everything you're going to ruin the shoot and you're going to ruin your dad's chances of surviving and then and that was yeah that was the first moment that i realized you know what i'm going to give dad to my i'm going to give my dad to god and i said okay god if you want to take him tonight and you've meant to bring me here then i guess i'm gonna have to be okay with that and i've never had that attitude and i just burst out screaming and crying called mm. my mom and said I'm, I'm not coming i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay to shoot she said everything will be fine just wow. stay that's and fantastic I hang up the phone
0: oh wow. that's so powerful you- i mean that's a powerful story you share And it's like we don't understand what happens in life when we hit rock bottom, how we reinvent ourselves. And we do it over and over again so many times in our lives, Nick. Now, playing this role compared to voiceover, what's the difference? I mean, it's got to be a big difference. You're on camera now versus behind the scenes doing it. I don't know how many acting experiences you had more than the other, but this has really changed you because you've done so many seasons now as an acting role on camera. What's the difference?
2: yeah so whether it's whether it's the chosen or any other on-camera project um, i've always brought this innate thing that god has given me which is the core of the character comes to me in the form of his or its voice if it's like a creature or a monster what so i just use what i've always used for voiceover which is well the root of the character is rooted in their voice in their being so once I figure that out and it's given to me as a download, I can then perform it whether it's a voiceover or whether it's, it's Zebedee for the chosen. Cause obviously Zebedee is not my natural voice vocal range. He's not, I don't, I don't go around, you know, I don't go around talking like that. Um, so once he was downloaded to me, his image and his voice, it was like, well, I'm just going to do the lines in his voice. And eventually my whole psychology gets flooded with who he is and, um, his motivations and his love and his dislikes and everything just comes to me without really doing any script analysis because for me it's not a mental exercise it's not something that um, like if it was I wouldn't be doing acting I'd be doing something else that's more consistent if I've got to use my mind that much totally. um, but it's a it's a it's a dance acting is a dance that I do with God it's a, it's a collaboration with him it's not something I just do. And, uh, and, and, and the biggest difference is, and I've always said this in voiceover too, that's where I've gotten my start. And I've done way more voiceover than, than on-camera projects. Um, is that, and, and I've said this to this day, I come from voiceover. and And to me, voiceover is the purest form of acting, in my opinion. Because when you're doing a voiceover, you cannot hide behind good lighting you cannot hide behind a take you cannot hide behind music um
1: right you're just performance yeah yeah. people
2: are hearing yeah Yeah, absolutely they're hearing the character so if the character is not there he's not there and it falls flat Um, so i just bring that mindset to absolutely bring that to to on camera i bring that same thing
0: that's fantastic nick best place People can check you out in the Chosen, where people can check it out right now. The new season coming up in the last place. Yeah. If you
2: download the Chosen app, you can watch the episodes for free. You can pay it forward if you choose to. You can watch it on Netflix, on Hulu, Amazon Prime, and uh, pretty soon the CW (laughs) is going to be airing uh, previous seasons of the Chosen. You can check it out there too. So, Nick,
1: I, I know that we are very so short on time, but I'm sure people are dying to know what happened with your dad. How is your dad?
2: so as i'm doing the sending james and john off to to follow jesus during that scene i was completely out of my mind that whole day and the surgery that that they did on him when i went back the doctor told me his first heart attack should have killed him and he said uh the surgery was a success and he said in all my 40 years your dad was the first time we did not have to use a fibulator because the minute we put his heart back into his body
1: Wow. All of his
2: vitals just kicked in by themselves. And then the doctor pointed at my dad and he said, I can't ascribe this, but you know, this is a miracle, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Wow.
0: <laughs> what a tremendous miracle uh-huh. What you are, Nick. Thank you again. We appreciate it. People definitely check out the chosen in so many different places and check out Nick. Thanks again, Nick. You got to Take Nick. care guys. All right. All right. right. That was special. Soundcast, Neil Haley show and the love is podcast guys. Take care.